going to start a new series today called Spiritual. We decided to talk about um, what it means to be spiritual today and for the next several weeks as we lead into Easter because we're noticing a lot in our world that we, especially in the Western world, I would say, we, co- we concentrate a lot on the physical world, don't we? We spend a lot of our time, our effort, our finances, our thinking, all about physical pleasure or physical things. And that takes up and consumes a lot of who we are. We also have been taught in school and culturally that the most important things in our world are the things we can see or experience. We often are told that if you can't observe something scientifically, that it doesn't exist. And so we dismiss the idea of spiritual things or the spiritual world or the Holy Spirit working in us until something happens. And our spirit is opened up a little bit and we have this spiritual moment. And it's in that place where all of a sudden we begin to wonder, hold on a second, maybe there's something more to this. Maybe there is a spiritual world. Maybe I am partly spirit. Maybe there's something going on in me, and I either have to dismiss that as something radical that I don't want to get involved in, or I have to say, no, that's, that was something real, and I need to figure out what that was. During our series, we're going to discover the importance of living life in the Spirit, Because as believers in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that when we came to believe in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came to live inside of us. And when he did, our world began to change. Our thinking began to change. Our idea of the spiritual world begins to change. And the way we live life begins to change. We begin to focus more on the spiritual and less on the physical. And we begin to understand life being lived in a little bit different way. We, we plan to just talk about all of that and, and encompass as much of it as we can. One of the things that the Bible teaches that is very interesting is that the physical world and the heavenly world or the spiritual world, they were created by God. That's actually in the very first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1.1, says God created the heavens and the earth, both physical realm and spiritual realm, both created by God and a part of what you and I live in because he placed us here. Now, interestingly as well, the Bible says that this physical world and the spiritual world, they coexist. They're right on top of one another. In fact, it would be more accurate to say that the physical world is part of the spiritual world than to say that the physical world is just interacting with the spiritual world on occasion. Let me give you an example of that. I want you to think in your mind just for a minute about our solar system. And in our solar system, we have a large physical object, the sun, and then we have several other large physical objects in our solar system, planets and 
some asteroids and a couple things floating around. But mostly, the solar system is made up of space. Just an enormous amount of space with smaller physical objects in it. For instance, the closest planet to us is Venus, but it's 25 million miles away. So there's 25 million miles of nothing, space, in between us and the next closest planet. So there's millions, billions, trillions, and probably the mathematical number would be so ridiculous of the amount of space. Now, think of that space for a minute as the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is like space, and the physical planets are inside of the space. That's what the spiritual realm and the physical realm are like. You and I live on the only planet in any solar system that has life on it. Thank you, Jesus, right? Yep. <laughs> Scientists tell us that if the earth was one inch closer to the sun, we'd burn up in a matter of generations. If we were one inch, too, one inch further away, we'd get too cold after a couple generations and we'd freeze out. Purely accidental, by the way. Random. Not by design at all to have life here. What we discover is that God has done something very unique, very purposeful in designing us and putting us here. But here's what we discover. The heavenly realm, the spiritual world, is much larger than the physical world. It's much more powerful and it's eternal. We're going to discover these things as we study about it over the next several weeks. I'd like us to begin in John chapter 4, verse 24, and look at something very important about our spiritual life. Here's the first thing that is foundational for you and I to understand, and it's that God is spirit. In John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. So here's this phrase that Jesus made about God's nature. Not only his character, but his very nature, who he is. God is spirit. Now it's interesting that we know God is a triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now it makes sense that the Holy Spirit would be spirit. It's inherent in his name. So God the Father is spirit, the Holy Spirit is spirit, but have you ever contemplated that Jesus Christ was also spirit before he came here? The Bible tells us in several different points, Philippians 2 being the most important, that Jesus took on flesh when he came here. He wasn't flesh before and came. He took on flesh. He became human. He was spirit, became human, and took on flesh so that he could die on the cross and rise again for us to have eternal life. If that's true, and it is, and our lives are designed to worship God, then we must worship in spirit and in truth. 
It also brings up another very interesting idea. The Bible also tells us we, humanity, each and every one of us in this room, are created in the image of God. If we're created in the image of God, and God is spirit, then might it by chance be that part of us is spirit as well? Could it be that we are actually more like Jesus than we think, that we are actually a spirit person, but we just happen to be living in a body right now? The Bible tells us in several different occasions that God knew us before he created the planet. Did he know us in spiritual form or did he know us in bodily form? The word seems to imply that he knew us in spiritual form and we inhabited a body when we came here when he placed us in our mother's womb. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul takes the first section of that chapter to talk about the fact that when you and I come to live here, we actually come to live in a tent, that our body is like a tent. You could say right now that you are camping. I'd like to camp for about 85 years, eat hot dogs over the fire and marshmallows and chocolate and all that stuff, and then we go to be with Jesus. The Bible says that our body is like a tent and that we're living here. I've noticed, um, for me, I think I'm a six-person tent. Some of you are two-people tents, and that's the body we have, right? That's the body God's given us. But we're more spirit living in this tent during our lifetime. See, the word seems to communicate that we are more spirit than we think. And that's really important for us to understand that God is spirit and that we are spirit. And the reason we need to live in the spirit and the reason Jesus came and died on the cross is so that you and I could have this perfect union with our spirit and God who is spirit. This is part of the understanding of what it means to be a spiritual person and to live life in the spirit. Now, the New Testament communicates a lot about this life in the spirit. And it actually communicates something very important. It communicates that life in the spirit is more important than life in the physical. That actually during our lifetime, what we spend a lot of our life doing is learning how to live away from our physical flesh or put aside our physical flesh and the temptations of that and the ungodliness of it to embrace the spiritual life that God has for us. Let me share several verses with you that begin to help us understand a foundational understanding of this idea of living life in the spirit. In John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus launched us into this. And he said, the spirit gives life. And spirit there, you notice, is capitalized, referring to the Holy Spirit, not our own spirit. So the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Now, as I share some of these verses, you're going to notice 
something challenging. You're going to notice that a lot of these verses are extremely countercultural. So this verse, Jesus said what? Our flesh counts for nothing. What does our culture say? Our physicalness is everything. Everything. Run into pleasure. Run into everything physical. Everything you can do with your body. Wide open. Everything is completely open to us physically now, and we should run into it with reckless abandon. That's what the world's telling us right now. Now, I think we're learning as well, hopefully we're learning, that's probably not a really great idea. As we are encountering hundreds of negative consequences of that idea and of that concept and of that way of life. And here, Jesus launched into that 2,000 years ago. Is it relevant for today? Seems like it. <laughs> In Romans 8, verse 14, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. In the Passion Translation, it says it like this. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. What a great verse. Have you recognized that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, talking to you, revealing things to you? That there are impulses that the Holy Spirit is giving you on a regular basis every day? And he's desiring to pull you into relationship and help you live this life of Christ. Philippians 3.3. 3, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by the Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Wow, there's another totally counter-cultural one. What does our culture put all of its confidence in? Our flesh. Our physicalness, what we've done physically, that's like, that's everything, right? Who we are physically and what we've done, it's everything. Instead of boasting in Christ, we boast in ourselves. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desire what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. That's an interesting one. Has anybody ever noticed the conflict inside of you? Like, it's, it's there, isn't it? What is it? It's your spirit trying to live for God who is spirit and live with the Holy Spirit while our world tells you to do the opposite. And so we're in conflict. And we're, in, we're always being challenged. Do I follow that voice that says to go do this, or do I follow the Holy Spirit who's telling me to go this direction? So we're constantly in conflict with the Holy Spirit who's trying to get us to live in a godly fashion or follow the world. 1 Corinthians 15.50 is a really interesting verse too. It says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Now here's another interesting one. This verse tells us what? That our physicalness is not what will become eternal. So if our physicalness doesn't become eternal, if this body doesn't become eternal, 
then what does? My spirit. And my spirit is the real me. My spirit, the spirit that God put in this tent, is the real mark. The real mark is my spirit. It comes out, it manifests itself as you see me physically, but the real me is my spirit. And that is what will become imperishable. Now, there's some other really good news. Another example of this and another truth that links to it is the Bible says that you and I will get a new body upon our death. There will to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new body. I don't know about you, but that new body thing, I like that. I'm super excited about that. I'm asking for bigger muscles. I'm going to ask to be shorter. You may think that's crazy, but being tall is not all it's cracked up to be. I'm asking to be shorter, okay? I'm asking for bigger muscles. I'm, you know, and who knows? Who cares, really, honestly? It's just funny to think about, right? But one thing I'm super excited about, I don't know what happened this morning. I don't know what I did. Somehow I was in the bathroom just brushing my teeth and all of a sudden creak my knee. I almost went to the floor. Like my knee just gave out and I'm thinking, new body, I can't wait. What is going on? I'm 47, not 87. How come I'm on the floor in my bathroom brushing my teeth? This is not right. Here's what's interesting. These verses are very clear. They're very clear that our life in the spirit is much more important than our life in the physical. Now, somehow, that means that you and I have to learn to live life in the spiritual more than we life, live life in the physical. Now, here's what I know. That means that you and I, as American people, living in the wealthiest country in the world that spends all of its time in the physical, will have to change some things. We'll have to adjust some things. Now, I don't think Jesus is saying never to ride your jet ski. I don't think that's what he's saying. But I am saying this. We are going to need a little bit of a shift to focus more on the spiritual and less on the physical. To focus more on the kingdom of God that is spiritual and less on the physical. To support people like Mike and Anna more and to support my hobby less. Yeah? I know there wasn't a lot of amens there, but I was talking to myself. <laughs> See, it's going to be very challenging in our modern world that's all about the physical and physical lifestyles and physical urges and fulfilling those to say no and say yes to Jesus. And that doesn't mean that none of your physical urges will honor Christ. That's not at all what I'm saying, because there, there are. There's lots of physical urges that will honor Christ. If you have an urge to move to Africa and share the gospel, do you physically have to go there? Yes, and that would be an awesome thing to do, but you'd be doing something physical and spiritual at the same time. During this series about understanding the spiritual, we're going to spend a majority of our time in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, the writer, the Apostle Paul, talks about how you and I are called to live in the Spirit. 
In fact, the entire book talks about many spiritual things. There's actually five references in Ephesians, which are more than any other letter, about the heavenly realms and about the spiritual world themselves. I'll let you read the other four later, just based on time. I'm just going to talk about one in verses 10 through 12. Look at it with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Now, here's what's interesting. This verse clearly declares that we are in a spiritual battle. And that in this spiritual battle, you and I are called to put our armor on. And that God has given us things that we can put on like armor to help us combat this spiritual battle. Over the next several weeks, we'll be talking about those pieces of our armor. But let me just introduce this idea this idea that you and I are in a spiritual battle because we can make a strong case based on this verse and many others, by the way, that we are in a spiritual battle. But here's what's interesting. We talked about the spiritual realm being coexisting with the physical realm. And we know that in the spiritual realm, God exists, but Satan exists as well. There's angels there, but demons are there as well. And demons are simply fallen angels, the Bible tells us. So here's this gigantic spiritual world, and they're in conflict with one another. And now we're in conflict because we're, we're coexisting with this. But we're also in conflict because the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, does not want us to believe in Jesus Christ, does not want us to live for Christ, wants us to focus all on the physical and none on the spiritual so that we never enter into all of the fullness that Christ has for us. And so here we are in this place where you and I now live in a time, live in an age where we can actually see the spiritual attacking and it manifesting itself in the physical. It's happening all around us every single day by the billions. That the spiritual realm is attacking the physical realm and we see it manifesting itself everywhere. Now, we don't see the physical attacking the physical. We don't see bullets and missiles and bombs being dropped from heaven into the, into, onto earth, into our front room to destroy our family. But are there things in our world that are trying to destroy our family? Absolutely. See, what we discover is the way Satan is really attacking is in, is in ideas. The ideas and the philosophies of life the way we should live life are the way that Satan attacks our spirit and our mind. And if the spirit can get us to live certain physical lifestyles or believe certain ways of living that are counter-cultural and counter-biblical, then you and I find ourselves never acknowledging God, never believing in God, never focusing on God. And what's interesting is Satan now has entire nations thinking that way, believing that way. Some of it is a completely foreign religion. If I get them to believe an entire religion that has nothing to do with God, I've just 
hoarded an entire group of millions of people that will never believe in God. If I take this Western culture and I make them all about the physical and nothing about my word or living in it, then I can get them to live in that way and completely ignore God as well. And that's what the enemy is doing. But here's what's interesting about this spiritual battle that you, are, you and I are in. This verse says that there's, there's rulers of evil, authority of evil, there's spiritual forces of evil. They're all in the spiritual realm and they're attacking you and I. That's why we need to put our armor on. Now here's the good news. Jesus Christ has all the authority. He has all the authority in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. Let me show you how. You remember when Jesus was here and we read about all of the things that Jesus did in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What did we see? Well, here's what we saw. In the physical realm, Jesus was in complete authority. So he could walk on water. Anybody else done that lately? You and I can't. Why? Because we're not in complete authority over the physical realm. Have you fed 5,000 with two fish and a couple pieces of bread lately? No, because you and I aren't in authority over the physical realm. But Jesus was, so he could walk on water and calm storms and feed 5,000 and heal the sick and raise the dead. All of those physical manifestations that are miraculous things that we saw Jesus do, and he could do so easily and quickly and freely, were because he, was, he is the ultimate authority over the physical realm. But we also see him in ultimate authority over the spiritual realm. Because every single time Jesus came in contact with the demonic, what would happen? The demonic would come running into his presence, throw themselves at his feet, and say what? Please don't destroy us. Please don't torture us. Send us into those pigs. You know your life has gotten really bad if you're saying, send us into pigs. But here's what we saw. The spiritual realm, whenever it came in contact with Jesus, immediately knew he is the authority and I must bow to it. So here's what we have on our side. If you have Jesus on your side and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are a believer of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is living in you, then guess what you also have? Authority. You also now have authority in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm because you are a child of the King. And as a child of the King, you get to live in the authority of the King. And I want to challenge you to begin to live in that authority in a powerful way. As a church, we wanted to do something different during this series to give the Holy Spirit intentional time in our lives and in our gatherings. So I want to tell you about two things we're going to be doing different over the next several weeks. On Sunday, next Sunday, the 15th, Sunday, the 22nd, and Sunday, the 29th, we are dedicating our 8 a.m. service to the Holy Spirit, to the work of the Holy Spirit. And so our 8 a.m. service, I know you guys are 11 o'clock people, right? You are the sleeping people, and I get that because I am like you. 
If I was not Pastor Mark and I could sleep in on Sunday morning, I would be an 11 o'clocker. So I get you, right? You and I, we connect well. But if you'd like to come at 8 a.m. for the next couple weeks or one of them, here's what you will discover. There won't be a message. There will only be some worship, corporate time of prayer, individual time of prayer. It'll be an opportunity for you to use your spiritual gift. It'll be an opportunity for you to sit in silence and journal, listen to God. It'll be a time for you to connect with a prayer person if you want to pray about something. It'll be an opportunity for you to take communion on your own. We will have communion available every service that you can just take on your own. It'll be an opportunity for you to connect with the Holy Spirit. We wanted to give the Holy Spirit time. And let me give you an illustration of this that I think is helpful. I love a great marinated steak. I love it. I, lo I have a special secret sauce, and I take my steak, and I put my steak in my secret sauce, and I put it in the refrigerator or the freezer, and I leave it there for 24 to 48 hours. Why? Because I want that steak marinated. I want every bit of that steak to come in contact with that sauce, to it just be in every single bit of that steak so that every single bite of that steak is delicious. So I marinate it. Can I tell you this morning that I think as the people of God, we need to be marinated in the Holy Spirit. But it takes time. And so on the 8 a.m. services, we're gonna take time. So you'll be able to come in the room not a big agenda, and just take time to be with the Holy Spirit so that he could become a part of every area of your life. So if you'd like to do that over the next couple weeks, that will be available to you. The second way that we are going to interact with the Holy Spirit is on the back wall. You'll notice back there the big circle. Everybody look back there. You can see the big circle that we used during our prayer series a couple years ago. We're going to use it again. On that back table, you'll find prayer circles again, and you can grab a pen and write down on your prayer circle whatever you want the Holy Spirit to do in you over the next several weeks. You can write a prayer. You can write, Holy Spirit, I'd like you to help me figure out what my spiritual gift is. Would you help me to be a person that lives in the Spirit and have every fruit of the Spirit in my life? Would you help me put on the armor of God every day? Whatever you'd like to put in there, you can put it in there and just trust that the Holy Spirit is going to help you begin to live that out and to live that way, to live in a spiritual way and to follow the Holy Spirit's promptings all throughout the day. You can then grab a little pin in the box and pin it to the wall. This is your one opportunity to make a hole in the wall in the building, so you might want to take it. Um, and, uh, and then just pray about that all month. And let's choose to be spiritual people all throughout the month. Amen? Amen? All right, would you stand with me? As we close, I just want to share one more thing about this whole idea of being filled with the Spirit. When we talk about living in the Spirit and we start talking about the Holy Spirit, if you've been around the church for any amount of time, as soon as we start talking about the Holy Spirit, you will notice there are two extremes. There's the one extreme way over here 
where um, we would call it charismatic, and we have these false ideas of charismatic. It means people go to church and they hang off of chandeliers and they talk in tongues constantly and they can't even hold a conversation with somebody in English, right? This is this idea of this crazy person who doesn't know how to handle real life, right? And all they are just stuck in the Holy Spirit. And, and this, this idea over here is kind of a little bit extreme. Everything is about the Holy Spirit and the spiritual realm. So there's a demon under every rock and behind every bush. And if I burned my toast this morning, Satan made me do it. No, Satan didn't make you do it. Your toaster's on 10. <laughs> your eight-year-old came and turned your toaster to 10, and that's why you burned your toast. It wasn't because Satan wanted to burn your toast. Okay? That's over here. And then we have this section of Christianity on this side that says what? The Holy Spirit isn't even real anymore. He's not even here. He's gone. He's somewhere in heaven. And he was here during the first and second century to help the church um, get people close to Christ and to start the church. But now he's gone because this generation doesn't need to get close to Christ. Duh. Okay, so we've got these two extremes. And so we have to, when we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, we need godly wisdom and balance. Here's why. We don't want to be so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. Like all I talk about is the Holy Spirit and all I talk about is these spiritual things. And so my coworkers are like, dude, if that's what Christianity is, I'm out. So I'm so spiritually minded that I'm no earthly good. But then I can also be so earthly minded that I'm no heavenly good. All I talk about is the physical. All I focus on, it, 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 I never talk about the Holy Spirit. I never talk about Jesus. I never share Jesus with anyone. I never even let anyone know that I am a Christian. How are they ever supposed to know Christ? So we have to find balance in this. And that's what we're going to endeavor to do over the next month so that that can be a foundation in your life and you can live that way for the rest of your life. Amen? Amen. All right, pray with me.